This week's podcast is sponsored by Direction. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen, your host, and it's February 1st, 2023. And joining me, as always, is Arusha Paris. He's a portfolio manager over at O'Neill Global Advisors. How are you doing, Arusha? I'm doing well, Justin. Uh, another exciting day in the market, a really exciting day after the <laughs> Fed Fed uh, news. Yeah, exactly. It was uh, it was it was everything was calm and then uh, everything changed, changed around a few times within minutes. But uh, we'll definitely get into that a little bit today. But uh, helping us do that is one of our favorites. Uh, she she's coming back to us on the podcast. She's also a frequent guest on IBD Live. It's Anne-Marie Ban. She's the author of The Trading Book. Anne-Marie, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How, how, how did this market treat you uh, with, with the, uh, uh, the, the, the Fed meeting and, and that really big move in the market? Things, things work out and pay for you? <laughs> Shocking Shock all. <laughs> so we'll certainly get into a little bit of uh, what was going on today and how the markets have fared. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about why patience and discipline are so necessary, um, even you know when you've had such a strong move in the markets. Uh, and of course, Anne-Marie will share some of the ideas that she's got in terms of some stocks to watch. So let, let's get right into it. Anne-Marie, uh, of course, we had the, the Fed. Uh, with a expected rate hike today of a quarter percent, so nothing big, big surprise there. Um, what what was it that you think made the market react so strong? I mean, the the Nasdaq Composite was up uh, almost two percent. Uh, basically, everything had had, had turned around, uh, and it wasn't it wasn't just you know when he you know first announced the quarter point, things just got got, got stronger and stronger uh, as the press conference was wearing on. So one of the big things was the breach of this 4092 level that was very important. You could look at some monthly candlesticks and notice that across the board, we'd either started or ended there. And once it got up over that edge, we began to see traders covering and so there's a bit of short covering that began once we broached, breached that level, and it just kept running. Now, something super interesting was two things. Yesterday, about 30 seconds before the close, some flow in the ES, the E-minis, S&Ps, yep. 80,000 contracts moved through. Wow. in 30 seconds right wow. into the close now that's about double the size of any kind of move that happens in the last minute or two so it was sizable the second thing that happened today at about 10 minutes after 12 somebody came in with about maybe two or three hundred thousand shares of Calls that, that was Justin. That was Justin. <laughs> yeah. Just some call action that really absolutely spiked the market and things started to move and then we began to fade and question. But all of those things finally just caught. And once it got up over that edge, people were either piling in 
or running for the fire doors because they're so short, they have to go flat. So it really was a very uh, technical response mm -hmm. to being short. The big thing is, how's it going to hold over the next couple of days in digestion? Because mm -hmm. as we know, he essentially said the same things. He gave us some good news about, hey, some things look like they're working, but we're not going to give in. And a lot of folks are thinking, hey, you know, this 25 basis point hike that he's got for March is really some form of a taper. Yeah. But it's not a taper. I mean, he's, <laughs> right, right. everybody's just used to these 75 point things that mm -hmm. they're moving like that. The next thing is the dollar really cascading down yeah. because the ECB has said, hey, listen, we're doing 50 basis point race hikes. And so now there's that disequilibrium where, you know, the 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 euro is continuing to climb and that is pushing the dollar even further down. And when the dollar goes down in this kind of market, we've had such a, a move up in the dollar when it moves down, all our international business can take flight again, even mm -hmm. though we are moving to some measure of deglobalization, we're still selling things across the pond. And that's going to give us more pricing power because our dollar is not so strong anymore. It's, you know, it's clear as mud in terms of, of uh, where things are going to go in the next little bit. So, Anne-Marie, so getting back to those large purchases in, yeah. in the S&P 500 in the, in the E-mini futures, uh, mm -hmm. so what what do you think is going on there? Do you, do you think that, that you're having a large player come in to try to force the shorts hands, or do they know something? Or ha have you? how often do you see something like that, where you have this large buyer making a massive bet? Well, we've seen it... Um a little bit more often than okay. usual, but it could be that they're forcing a hand. It could be that, see, this is the exact opposite of where a bunch of hedge funds had put out and said, here's what we're going to see. Mm -hmm. We're going to see the dollar spike. We're going to see the SPX crash. We're going to see bonds XYZ. They were dead flat as wrong as wrong can be. And I think that someone saw all that levering mm -hmm. and saw all that early put buying and they said, I'm going to help teach you a lesson. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> right. And so they just tipped, tipped the scale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And of course, once it got up over that level, everybody was like, I got to get out of here. I'm, I'm going to get crushed. And that same thing happens in the zero DTE options. Yeah. Where they and, really... and go ahead and uh, let us know what zero DTE okay, is. So zero DTE, right? yes, it's a mm -hmm. daily option. It expires on the same day that it comes out. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times um, big industries in investments, investment houses, they sell them for increased alpha and if everything stays within a range 
you're fine and dandy, but if things break out of that range, it becomes a chase. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what happened today. A, a very good sized chase in my mind. Mm -hmm. So now you have those, those zero days till expiration options for every day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. For spy, yes, for, for the spy, spy. Wow. yeah, and so that's, and that's a relatively newer thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, it's been out about eight eight months, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah. still, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it used to be Monday, Wednesday, Friday, okay. and now they've gone to every day, and it's only spy and queues. The IWM still has just Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and that's really where everybody piles in to the spy. They don't pile into the SPX as much because there's um, settlement issues and they don't, you know, it takes three days and then your cash is locked up as opposed to, you know, if you're, if you're trying to run tens of millions of dollars in and out using your daily leverage, SPY is going to be where you go. And that's where all of these guys are. That's where they're all going. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. you were talking about these these shorts that kind of uh, they, they, they they had their shorts in place. Were these long term shorts? Because it seems crazy a little bit to to be short in uh, the S&P 500 when it was up, you know, over six percent for the month of January, you know, a, a strong start to the year um, well off its bottom. The Nasdaq was up 10 percent. I mean, it was it was a huge month in January. So what was it about? uh you know, were, were these shorts that were just saying, okay, we've come up too far too fast, or uh, they just didn't believe it? Or was this more of a short term kind of hedging ahead of the Fed just because of the volatility that often surrounds that? So my suspicion is from the folks that I hear and watch um, often enough to get a feel for where they are, a lot of times these very big hands get married to a narrative. Mm. And that narrative is, listen, something's going to break and it's going to break soon. And so this could be the day that it breaks. Mm. And so they're always uh, planning, but being a lot smarter now, trying to hedge those spaces. And so wherever they're positioned now, they go, all right, if it moves up over here, I've just got to get out. And I've got to take my lumps and I'm going to get out as fast as I can because the market's going to continue to rally against me. Mm -hmm. There are hands, if you look in the, the dome, it's called the depth of market. If you trade and you have the depth of market visible to you, you'll be able to see how far up traders have sell orders sitting or how far down traders have buy orders sitting a little bit like level two, except right. um, a more visual in terms of that sort of thing. And you can see that there are folks with some very long-term ideas about what should and shouldn't happen. Some people they're trading their narrative and they go, okay, I'm wrong. I'm going to get out. A lot of times, these minds don't look at what the market is doing. They believe the undercurrent is going to give them enough information that gives them the outcome. And we can see that hurting a lot of folks. I can't remember the guy that went short on Herbalife and lost a billion oh, right. dollars, remember? Right. Yeah. He was trading his narrative. Yeah. 
And a lot of these guys are more interested in being right than making money because they have enough money to burn. So it's about the street cred of being right. Mm -hmm. And so there's a whole spattering of all of those folks that really are thinking, oh, the market's gone high enough. Oh, the market's got high enough, right? And all the bond market has now begun to price in this soft landing. And the Fed is still looking at unemployment and jobs numbers. Right. And there are a lot of things that might be a little bit wrong with how those are getting calculated right now because so many people are applying for the same job in different states, right? Mm. So a lot of things are getting double counted, triple Mm. counted. And those are folks that are married to that narrative that are like, hey, you know what? Employment is the most lagging, the most uh, obtuse thing to use, and it's going to lead them the wrong way. And that's what the Fed is looking at. And so they're consistently saying, I know the Fed says they're going to do this, but they're going to be forced to do this, right? right? And every time everybody's been wrong from that bond perspective. Yeah. And, and so it's not only just having a narrative that might go against you. Everything goes, you know, everyone's going to get caught on the wrong side. Uh, but a number of these people who have this narrative and they're, they have a lot of conviction in the narrative, they, they might double down at this point, right? Exactly. They're getting run over and now they're doubling down. Like, hey, it's more opportunities short. Now, yeah. sometimes it'll work, but other times they may get be out of business if, if they do too much. That's exactly right. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. And you know, that really rolls right back down to the general trader that sits at their desk and says, you know, I know this is moving up because x y or z and they double down Mm -hmm. the difference is an investment house is leveraged you know 50 to 1 and has a billion dollars at their disposal and and we have much more finite numbers that we're working with so it's you know just because you're big money doesn't mean you're smart money all the time (laughs) Right. It doesn't yeah. mean you're not emotional, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you you you've been mentioning the bond market, and you know, and you mentioned the dollar earlier. So maybe it would be worth it to just kind of take a look at um, zero TNX, which is the ten-year Treasury yield. So a lot of buying in the Treasuries today, and of course, whenever there's buying, that sends the yield lower. So a, a big a big drop in the yield today, and an overall, you know, I mean. If you if you look at the weekly chart, I mean, we we came up so so quick, so fast, but certainly more recently, it's been uh, you know quite the downtrend. So what 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 do you think that says about where we're we're at in the market? This uh, this downtrend in the the, the yield, the ten year yield. Well, we can certainly see that people are thinking that eventually there's going to be a lift to these yields, right? They've pulled into their main support lines from the chart. You can see them coming into a region where they normally bounce. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the bond market has a tendency to be very patient unless they become vigilantes. And if we remember, I don't know how many of us might remember, um, the bond vigilantes. You, those you might be are... the only one, Anne Marie. 
I know this is hair color. Because that was that, that was that was it's like in white. the that was in the eighties, right? The, yeah, 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 absolutely. And so what what they did was they forced the central bank into turning coat and changing positions. Today, there's not as much power to do that because it's not as purposeful. It was like George Soros led that entire dovetail in, right? He was the one that they called that broke the Bank of England. And if you want to look it up online, just go George Soros, Bank of England, you'll see it, you'll get a nice big long story. But what he did with a concerted effort of a number of other uh, folks in the bond market, they forced the change to the Bank of England. And that um, made them a ton of money. And I think some folks think you can do it again in this market, but I'm not so sure. And mm-hmm. so when we see something like this, I really, I'm of the mind that we're very close to something that's got to give just a little bit. And I think I'm seeing it in the bond market. I expected the dollar to do some things more than, than what it did today. Let me take a look at this. I, I just... My suspicion is that the dollar is in a place where it really should catch some traction. Now, the great thing is that with the dollar being where it's at, you know, the Fed really doesn't want the dollar to explode higher at all. They're very happy to go along their path and have the dollar move down because it's not going to hurt global trade the way that it might but something's brewing and it's, you know, after two decades and we've all been in this business a while, right? Since we were mm. younger and there's a feel, you get this feeling that, you know, that looks okay, but something's cooking. And I mm. can't, I I have to tell you, I dig through article after article at night. I'm just always looking for something on page 12 section d under the fold (laughs) footnote somewhere (laughs) right right because you know once it gets to page one it's done so i'm i'm always digging through information that's trying to help me discover and you can just you can feel a disconnect and so you know it's made me say all right i i have a significant amount of cash on the side. I'm only deploying about 30 to 40% at any time. And I'm quick to take profit. Now on a day like today, it's got me going, wow, you really missed on that. Mm-hmm. And I get, I get to be that, I know I talk about it all the time, but I get to be that girl looking in the window at the party that I'm not at. <laughs> and so, you know, it is one of those, it's one of those things, but I'd rather, you know, it's, this is a tortoise game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Slow and easy, slow and steady. It wins that, that game of patience. 
you realize that you need it sometimes too late. And I've been around so long that I go, you know what? It's okay if you missed out on that. Right. Buffet is going to be open tomorrow. <laughs> you're going to find something else fun. And you're going to be able to position. And there are a lot of opportunities opening up, especially, you know, if we look at our market smiths screeners or, or we look at what's happening in terms of all of the stocks that are coming into buy points. Right. You know, there's just a, a lot of opportunity sitting on the IBD site. Mm -hmm. So when we come back, we're going to delve into this idea of why patience is so important and maybe take a look at, you know, how that can be applied in the current market. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Trading Apple, sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes it gets you. Single stock daily leveraged and inverse ETFs from Directions. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com. Read carefully. Welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen here along with my weekly guest, Arusha Paris. He is an O'Neill Global Advisors Portfolio Manager. And our special guest this week is Anne-Marie Band. She is the author of The Trading Book, uh, You know, one of, our, one of our favorite guests on IBD Live. She's always giving us these levels and um, you know support levels and resistance levels. Plus, I should also add that, Anne-Marie, you're now contributing some content for us on the options side. So that's something that if you want to hear more from her or at least read more from her, you can check that out at Investor com under research and options but uh we, we were talking a lot about the market and one thing we didn't get to was kind of the levels that you look you're looking at right now Anne marie because I, I really respect those levels that you set up so for the s p 500 you mentioned that we got above that that december 13th high of 4100 um what what's next what what are you looking at next uh, are you looking at another level for it to breach uh, above or a level of support that you'd like to see it hold. And if it doesn't, then we could be in trouble. Well, you know what? You hit it right on the nail. So the, the key thing when you're looking at a chart like this, right? What is your very small moving average I see there? What is uh, that? Um, th there's that a, th there's <clears throat> a, a, see the ten, big one. a 10 month. Yeah. And a 50. Okay. So the quicker one so is that, the 10 month. Yep. Yeah. So if we look at that 10, we're going to see that it's down to flat, right? In the space that we're looking at. And so what we're also seeing is that we have clear power from underneath because we're making higher lows, mm -hmm. right? And if we take a look down at the volume area, you can see that we've got it's similar, but the two months that moved up were just a shy bit down versus the um, the downward months, the months that ended red. And so really, when I look at something like this, I think to myself, okay, what are the traders actually thinking about? And what they're thinking about is, okay, am I going to stall out here or am I going to break out? And so everybody's going to be watching what tomorrow looks like from about 41.35. So we closed at 41.19. 
pulled back off of the highs. And tomorrow, what the traders are going to be thinking about is, can I hold this or am I going to give some back? Now, the first thing that I like to do in a space like this is look at that flat moving average and say, what does a flat moving average mean? It means that there are just as many readings under that line as above that line in terms of the price and volume. If you're just looking at a simple moving average, it's just that price. And so when you look at something like that, think to yourself, hmm, the probability that I break out and stay out is not as high as the probability I break out and come back in. A flat moving average, if you take a look at every moving average that you see that flattens out, if you fail, like, let's see, if, let's go back to maybe December. If we look at December a little bit more closely, we can see that right there, as it turns over, it moves up and down through that line, mm -hmm. up and down through it before it decides to move in the other direction, right? And so, and I think that might've been, uh, yeah, right there. So we are going to expect that if it breaks out, it pulls back. And if it pulls back and holds a higher low, we've got ourselves upside and that upside for the next path is probably all the way at 4,300. Now, okay. is, is that something that we can buy and just hold? Absolutely not. Because that 10 has got a downward drift on it. Remember that 10 is weighing the things that are closest to price action that's just occurred. And the probability of something behaving right near those lines is much higher than it behaving to the 50, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's a key thing that I look at. So on the upside, 43, but what I expect is a blow off top here that rises and then fades. So if you buy a breakout here, tomorrow it opens up and it looks really great and you buy that level, think about where you're going to get out because it seems very likely from a formation perspective that it's going to give you a wick there before it gives you a body. Mm -hmm. Okay. So given that, you know, I, I think you kind of already gave the instruction a little bit here that um, is this buy and hold, you know, uh, no, not necessarily. And, exactly. and so like maybe maybe we can get into a little bit of how you do handle this. Um, again, when is it time to be patient with your positions um, that you do hold, you know, that you are holding and give mm -hmm. them the room to run? Um, you know, which is not something we've been doing lately because the trends have been so short. And yes. so, you know, <laughs> it's basically they, they've been almost non-existent that by the time you get the strength, it's like done. Uh, yeah. So let's contrast that with um, kind of this, this, this flip side of holding on to cash for too long, where if you've got too much cash, then you're not participating. Um, so it's, it's, you know, gosh, you know, pick your poison. So how do you make that decision? Where, where do you apply your patience? 
So that's a really great question. And it's not always straightforward. But for me, if I've been in an uptrend Mm -hmm. and I come to an event and I say, hey, listen, I want to buy X, Y, or Z, right? I'm not going to wait for a breakout because I believe that I'm in a downward trend. And I believe I'm in a downward trend because my tight moving average on the monthly is downward. Mm -hmm. And if it flattens, it's telling me, hang on, you need to watch support. As long as it holds support, you're fine. So what does that actually mean if we translate it into buying or execution in the market? For me, I wait until it comes into that floor and I go, that's my least risk. I'm buying it there because I've already got the strength. I know what the composite rating is. I know where it is on the industry charts. I know how it looks from flow. And so I say, you know, that looks good, but I'm going to wait for a nasty day for it to come in so that I can buy it there. And let's say you do that, but all of a sudden it takes fire and it completely blasts out Mm -hmm. and you're sitting looking at it and it's on the rise. Again, you go back to that 10, that very tight average and you say, okay, is it moving up? What's my last area of support? That's going to be my floor. That's going to be my risk. I'm going to try and get as close to that and then I'm going to get in. So it's never about, you know, I had a terribly tough time in 2020 because I'm this person that always waits for the pullback. Uh (laughs) Guess what? The pullback was not there. Never came. (laughs) Yeah. Or maybe you had one day. (laughs) Yeah. If you didn't didn't load up that day, then it was. It left me in the dust all the time. I was just pulling my hair out. But this is the kind of mechanic that I really enjoy because it's patience driven. And the patience is if trend is in your favor, if you're short and you continue to make lower highs, trends in your favor. Mm -hmm. If you stop doing that or you stop heading lower, then you go, I got to take some profit. And the same thing here for going to the upside. Yeah, it's breaking out, but there's a general weakness, a general fear and greed that swings back and forth so often that we simply have to go, you know what? I know it's probably just two, three days away. I'm just going to wait for the next fade and then I'm going to get involved, which is really what we've done with a number of these option trades Mm -hmm. uh, that I've been able to participate in. We've just had some good fortune and patience to go, you know what? Let's wait this out just a wee bit. And once it happens, it'll it'll uh, put you in the trade. And really, you know, patience has been a superpower that I've had to develop because I am a very impatient person. I so terribly impatient. You can ask any of my kids. They're like, oh, gosh, don't. Yeah, she's terrible. And it bled into the market. And so I would say things like, 
I know this is going up. I'm just buying it here. It doesn't matter. It's, I mean, I know it might come down, but, and I'm not really hyper-focused on where's my risk because listen, if you don't focus on where your risk threshold is, you're going to end up upside down in something that is going to knock you for a loop. I mean, mm-hmm. it'll make you just, it'll take your breath. Right. right. Because now, you like, will not have expected it. Yeah. So now obviously every strategy, every approach in the market, is going to have its strengths and weaknesses. And so yes. where is there a kind of area, some kind of signal that tells you that this is not kind of going back to like that 2020 where that wasn't necessarily your environment. Uh, was there a point where it forced you to either change the strategies and maybe switch more towards breakouts versus pullbacks? Uh, and it, and if so, if not at that point, have you taken something like that from 2020 just in case oh, the same thing happens? Definitely. Definitely. I'll answer the last part first. Okay. I definitely did. And here's the simple hack. If you're looking at a daily chart and you've got something like a 10 sitting up there, if it doesn't come back to test it, you're probably sitting in the right direction if that 10 has got slope. What I realized was... a 10-day moving average. Yes. yes. If it's got... If it looks like it would be a great roller coaster to either crest up and then move down or vice versa, get in and just use that 10 as your support zone. Okay. Just mm-hmm. use it as your support zone. You'll be able to stay long or trim and just continue up until it breaks below. And then, you know, as soon as it goes back up, you buy it again. Mm-hmm. That's excellent if you don't have something that's going like this. If it's got nice, clean slope, whether it's very steep or just slightly steep, mm-hmm. you're going to have a wonderful go at it if you just follow that. And that really was 2020. I mean, yeah. was that thing yeah. just, oh, I was so annoyed. Like, I can't <laughs> even tell you. And yeah. people were making money hand over fist. Right. And I was sitting there going, you know, this isn't ordinary. <laughs> My glasses on, trying to sound important. Yeah, it was just, you know, you. it took me until about July to go, listen, you got to change tack. Yeah. You just, you got to change tack. Stop, because everything's leaving you into the dust or you're getting stopped out because you're sitting in the wrong position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so well, that I mean, really is it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, even like for for our strategy, I, I know Justin can talk about this too. It, in two thousand and nine, even though we we had our kind of signals to get in the market, it was just off a little bit. It was going up on lower volume. It, it just mm-hmm. did not seem like the other rallies that were you know that happened before two thousand nine. And I think it took a lot of us who were used to the previous pre two thousand nine type of rallies to adjust right? right but we were forced to adjust and say you know what maybe volume isn't always going to come in to to the markets anymore 
Uh, and and so you kind of had to adapt to it. I don't know, Joseph, if you had any comments on that. Well, and you also had kind of that disconnect to a degree where the indexes were doing one thing, but growth yeah. stocks were doing yeah. another yes. for the last exactly. few months. Exactly. It was, yep. you know, and we've talked about this before. It was, you know, Bank of America down at a dollar and Ford and Citigroup and all of these big, you know, heavyweights that were Crazy. trading in single digits, um, you know, yeah. doing reverse yes. splits so they don't get delisted from the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, you know, it was them bouncing, you know, and again, just a few points. But when you're a dollar stock, I mean, yeah. a few points is uh, that, that's Monstrous. quite a bit of percentage, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah it was a, a very, very odd market. Um, but now, Amory, you're, you're kind of talking about the 10 the day here. Um, uh -huh. What what kind of what kind of time frame is this uh, ideal for? I mean, you know, is this for kind of shorter term traders that are doing swing trades, um, or you know, is this something that people that are kind of going for trades that last a month or two or longer um, is the ten day too short to kind of use that um, type That's of type of That's a very uh, good size? question. Um, here is the here's the answer I would propose. It could be too short of a time frame if you have a stock that has a general variability about it, right? If you look at the ATR, uh, mm -hmm. the average true range right. for a stock, and it has this habit of continually coming in and testing its 14-day or whatever, every stock has a little yeah. bit of a different vibe because of the types of entities that trade it, mm -hmm. right? So you look at something like Tesla that's got a massive amount of volatility. If you use a 10 on that, you know, you're out every other day because yeah. it's coming in and hitting it or, or whatever until you, you know, get the big move like it's had over the last little bit. So the space is this what i just heard both of you say is hey listen you know we just had to adapt and that is really the mark of excellence that you find for someone that lasts a long time in this industry you look at something and you go hmm that's odd i need to keep my eyes on it see if it's telling me something else if it's not telling me something else then you know what, I'll go back to what I'm thinking. But if I see something developing, I have to change tack. And so if you begin with a 10, just look to the past and mm -hmm. go, wow, does that, that breaks that a lot. Let me put mm -hmm. it on a 10 weekly and see mm -hmm. if it breaks the 10 weekly a lot. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, then you go, okay, I'm comfortable with that pullback. And if it pulls back like that, I'll know what to do right there. And as long as you listen to the story that the candlesticks are telling you, and I know that sounds silly, but they do, they tell you a story. It's a very immersive storyline that you get from what managers are doing, what uh, pension funds are doing, what anybody's doing in these spaces. And so, oh, speaking of which, something else that might push us a little further north, pension funds are overfunded for the first time in mm. a little bit. And so there's money to deploy there also that could push 
the market a little bit higher. But again, it's an individual space. For me, I trade the SPY and the futures every day. So as I'm looking at that, I will use raw price to tell me, hey, I'm going to look at the next, the last three candles, and I'm going to see, am I, am I looking, that, are things moving higher, low, higher, high? I'm going to go long on the first pullback into any kind of candlestick formation because all I'm doing is measuring risk. You know, the more times we engage with the market, the more times we're there to potentially get it wrong. And so right. you want to find those spaces <laughs> where you can go in and go, oh, okay, that's it. But we sort of fight that battle with, well, I got to do something. I'm right here. And it's not, it comes back to that. Hey, listen, can you take a deep breath and go, you know, I'm going to wait for it to come yeah. to me. We've got to be the child in the butterfly garden, as it were, in terms of, of uh, price action. Mm -hmm. And and to that end, I, I should mention that some of the content that you've been uh, writing lately for IBD has you know focused sometimes on the the cash secured puts where you're like, okay, this is the price that I wanted at. Let me just sell exactly. a put, and right. you know that gives me the opportunity to buy it when it comes down to the price that I want. Um, you know, and, and, and or different. take the money for selling it because it right. never comes back. It never right? comes there, so, so you just okay. Well, yeah. I'll just uh, I'll just pocket that money. Paid to so. wait. <laughs> right. Yeah, so again, kind of getting back to that that patience idea, um, you know, it's there, there, there's a lot of different ways to to apply that. Now, uh, should you apply some patience with your mechanics? Um, I guess how long do you do you wait before kind of deciding? Okay, I have to shift because uh, I think sometimes a lot of people suffer from um, kind of their strategy drift, where yes. they're always chasing the strategy that they think is working right now. And, you know, if you don't stick with anything, you can't kind of, you're exactly. all over the place. You're, you're trying exactly. to become a jack of all trades, master of none. So how much patience should you give to the mechanics of your strategy before you say, wait a minute, I need to make an adjustment. So in another punt, I will say it depends <laughs> right. on the strength of strategy. Yes. So if you have a one of my favorite strategy, answers, by the way, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a very simple strategy, like a 1030 moving average cross mm -hmm. that unless you're in markets that are very heavily trending, you're going to have a coin toss in terms mm -hmm. of whether it works or it doesn't. <clears throat> if you have something that's based on price and volume, which is what I believe are the two strongest things that help um, give us mechanical flow. It's very simple. I'm looking at two things. I'm mm -hmm. looking at price and I'm looking at volume. Now we can have blow off tops in volume. And that means we have to pay attention to follow through. Right. And so it really is. I like to give every trade three to four candles of motion mm -hmm. as long as they are not breaking primary support if i'm long or primary resistance if i'm short for a price to break my support level it's telling me that buyers came in and then couldn't hang on mm -hmm. and sellers pushed them out so yeah. why is that so i'll go to volume and I'll go, oh, look, volume is really thin here. Let me see what happens tomorrow. 
if tomorrow it comes in and I have continuation and I break my low, I have to leave. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you'll get a wick down if you have a hard stop. It'll shake you out and the next day, you know, it's back to cool runnings or whatever, right? right? So... What is it with me and the John Candy movies? I'm thinking Jamaica and bobsledding now. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah. So the thought process is always try to make it simple, but powerful, right? It's like E equals MC squared. Yeah. That's a very simple equation. It's extremely powerful. Mm-hmm. And you got to have a master's degree in math to figure out how to derive <laughs> At it. At least. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so, yeah. but, the, but the basis of that is A equals B times C or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And that's really what we have to do with trading. We can have things that give us ancillary support, relative strength over a long term, a uh, break of a moving average, but averages never really give you what individual pinpoints can give yes. you. I'll right. give you a little example. When the when the Navy was building the cockpit mm-hmm. for the, do you guys know this story? For the F-14, they said, all right, let's just go out there and measure every pilot. We're going to mm-hmm. measure the width, the span. We're going to measure the length of their arms. We're going to, I mean, 50 measurements. Mm-hmm. And they got an average and they built a cockpit for that average person. Guess what? <laughs> it didn't fit one man. <laughs> Not right. one man. Uh-huh. And so that was a billion dollar project for them to go, wait, averages are not what I need to look at when I'm working for precision. Yeah. But what they do give me is a range of motion. Hey, listen, we can't really fit a guy bigger than six, five in the cockpit. There's Mm -hmm. no room for him. Mm -hmm. Right. So they, they fall against those ranges and we need to move, use our moving averages in the same way. They give us a flavor of what is, But until you really look at price and go, wait, that wasn't supposed to happen. I need to look at that. So what do you do? You put an alert about maybe a dollar away, seeing, I mean, average, something like that, whatever percentage you want to go in front of where you think the stop ought to be. When it goes off, get in there and start looking. And that gives you advance notice. A lot of us trade and we're like, oh, that just happened. I think I need to do this. And that's not that's not a mechanic for good execution. Yeah. The mechanic for good execution is constantly observe and orient and then say, oh, I need to observe again and orient again. And then maybe I need to decide on a particular flow. The moment we get to the space where we go, I'm going to look proactively at what's happening in my chart, you're going to feel a sense of power that you didn't feel before. 
many times we just go in and we go, oh, let's see what it's doing today. Oh, and we don't do any uh, of that deductive or inductive reasoning that says, wait, should it have done that? We normally go in and go, oh, man, I had a great day or, oh, that looks terrible. Mm -hmm. Right. But we don't go, wait, why is that look terrible? Sometimes we're so busy making money that we don't even think about, well, what might happen if this thing's done? And that's the next thing, because we wake up and we go, oh, man, that was up 20 percent. And now it's up three or whatever. (laughs) And then but, you know, you don't you don't think about it in a relationship manner. You think about it as in, oh, I see what's going on right there. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, to your point, the early alerts are so important. I mean, you, you really want to kind of get a sense that your engine is overheating before it catches on fire. So, (laughs) you know, Um, well, you know what, we'll, we'll go ahead and take a break right now. And when we come back, we'll take a look at some of the stocks that are on Anne-Marie's radar and uh, maybe how she's applying some patience right now. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Trading Tesla. Sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes it gets you. Single stock daily leverage and inverse ETFs from Direction. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com. Read carefully. And welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen here along with Arusha Pires, my weekly special guest, uh, well, he's 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 very special. He's he's very special to me. Um, you know, even though he's on every week, uh, he's an O'Neill Global Advisors portfolio manager, and then we also have Anne Marie Band that's joining us. Uh, she's the author of the Trading Book um, and also a contributor to Investors.com for the options content. Uh, so let's get into some of the stocks uh, that we can kind of take a look at, and some of these, I mean, a lot of times you do approach them from the options market. So uh, wh- where do you want to start, Anne Marie? Um, you know, I think it would be great if we see things that are ready to to break out like everyone else is seeing all of these things. So let's start with some of the forming cups, maybe. And, mm-hmm. you know, we can look at tapestry. Why don't okay. we? The ticker symbol there is TPR. And just as a reminder, we're going to be going through some charts uh, again Anne-Marie does a great job at kind of setting different levels based on the chart action. So uh, this might get a little chart heavy. We'll try and describe it as much as possible for those listening in. Uh, but you can always go see the video either at YouTube or at Investors.com slash podcast. So uh, go ahead and, you know, again, what we're seeing here is a pretty, pretty deep cup. I mean, this is a 44% depth and and very long. I mean, we're looking at almost a year at this point. Um, so what... Uh, Tell me what you're seeing here, Anne-Marie. So the biggest thing that I look at is what the last bit of rising volume or what the last bit of price rise has associated volume with it. And we can see that the last bit of up pressure volume has been downward, right? So we're seeing um, overall a little bit less upside pressure than we would normally see in the chart moving up. And on top of that, it's got this level that looks kind of like about 48 to 50. I love your little pale blue 
line there that says, hey, that's going to be that breakout level. It's the bar that's just at the top there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's 5% above that resistance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that gives us quite the range. Now, let's think about the things that could happen here. People would come in and they could buy and hold. People could come in, they could buy, get into that round $50.30, and go, hey, that's a round number, I'm gonna cover there, and then it could come back, or it can reject that resistance line right away and come in. We know that if it's building a base like this, and it is a good company that's been building a base like this, that it's probably going to break out eventually. But because it's under this lower volume, I expect that it breaks out and then pulls back and tries to hold higher lows. Mm -hmm. So what's the play here? As you see it, you might be excited and say, listen, I just want to buy it right here. It's going to go and it's been basing for so long. I could see something really fantastic. That's true. But in estimating risk, you always want to think about, well, what if I'm wrong? What's my risk? And we were just talking a little bit about the number 4250, where we do see a lot of participants and we can see that by just a sideways level if you look closely at where those candlesticks are over the last little bit you'll see they're basing right around that 4250 right there where that is sitting and so we have to say hey that could be my risk right there on that edge so is that a risk i want to take and if i want to take it How much size do I want? And so these are very important things. My thought is, hey, it's on diminishing volume. Expect that it pops out and then fades. It's testing those higher areas. But when it comes in, that's what you're going to get. So that's what Mm -hmm. I'd be looking for. Somewhere between 45 and 42.50 to execute there. And you'll be Mm -hmm. right there on your risk. And that could kind of just tack on a handle to this uh, to this cup, which wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. Again, you know, when once we start getting cups that are forty percent deep, that that's a little bit excessive for our models. But uh, if you can then kind of almost form another base, uh, you know, as a handle, but it's maybe a cup in its own right or a flat base, uh, then that kind of gives us a little bit more, uh, I guess, conviction in it. Um, but uh, one of the other things that I, I should note here is, I mean, this is this is already, if you look at the daily chart, um, it's already like 17, 18% above its 50-day moving average line. And it, 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 does, it just does look like it kind of came straight up there. Is there a level that you ever look at in relation to like the 50-day or the 10-day uh, line that, hey, this is this much above that line, and that's just too much? So it does give me pause. Mm-hmm. But it ends up being, you know, let's see which way is the wind blowing if I look at it in terms of the moving average. Mm-hmm. What I will say is, okay, it's breaking out really strongly. What kind of news is, is there some news I need to look at? 
what is there a catalyst that's forcing this into its next level? And if it isn't, if it's just running with the market, then I'll just continually to draw a line under a new higher low, under okay. a new higher low, a look at a congestion. Mode. That's what helps me instead of focusing on, well, you know, which moving average should I pay attention to? Is it closing below it? Is it closing above it? Is it dancing on it? I can just draw the line straight across and go, okay, that's the support. If they lose it, I'm going to drop down to that next level. And that's going to feel uncomfortable if I'm still carrying any kind of size. Yeah. Yeah. Now, could the catalyst be, I mean, they're reporting earnings next week. Maybe it's running into earnings. Oh, how, how do you generally take earnings into account? Do you take into account when doing your analysis? I do. Um, I used to trade earnings a lot until I traded a very big position in ISRG. Mm -hmm. I had very heavyweight options and oh. it opened up a hundred dollars lower. Oh. And I literally my throat, I was like, I can't breathe. <laughs> so <laughs> Oh so gosh. yeah, that that did it for me. I don't yeah. I don't uh, do them in that size certainly anymore. Yeah. And so um, I do pay attention. I'll go into the option chains and I'll start looking around to see who's positioning. And we talked about this a little bit ago. Somebody's got nineteen hundred put options here. We don't know if they're bought or sold. We'll know tomorrow by mm -hmm. the volume size sitting in the open interest. But if if we look at that, we go, oh, maybe this person's got a ton of, um, they've got a ton of shares and they're just protecting it at this 42 right. backstop. Or maybe they say, hey, I want to buy it for, for at the 42.50 and, you know, I just got myself a dollar premium, so I really get it 41.50. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's, there's all of that that I think about. I just look for the big footprints into earnings and I try to stay in the neighborhood and then just be smaller with my size because I have, you know, I've just hit myself in the face with a, a bat <laughs> doing you, you didn't have to touch that hot stove, uh, You didn't have to touch that hot stove too many times before you learned your lesson, huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, let's go ahead and shift yeah. over to another stock, uh, Rockwell Automation. This is ticker symbol yeah. ROK. And this one is, it's also a pretty long uh, and a pretty deep base, 46% uh, deep. But this one is not, it's not up at those uh, levels yet, uh, you know, where, where it was at, you know, above, uh, you know, like around 350. So it's not up to those prior resistance levels. So how do you handle something that's kind of, it looks like it's on its way for the right side of a cup, but it hasn't finished yet. Well, I'll come back to where's the last place sellers piled in mm -hmm. that they just had no chance of getting over. The buyers had no chance of it. And it really does sit right around that, you know, that uh, 300 level, right? Mm -hmm. And so I will look at that and I'll say, all right, what I expect See, as this chart was moving up, what I noticed until maybe just the other day, we just saw one upward move that had quite a bit of volume on it. But the very next day, it just didn't follow through as much. But the last couple of days have had a fair bit of volume. So it's got me a little nervous that it might get up over that 300 area. 
But my thought is always what's happening at the top of resistance or at the floors of support. And I can see that we're still making higher lows, but those higher highs just, they get tested, but they can't hold them. Mm -hmm. So I think there's some consolidation there. And when consolidation starts coming in, that's when I really start putting my alerts. Every afternoon I'll go, all right, let's see where we pulled in. Did we hold higher over here? Did we see the kind of volume that we want to see? So really at the breakout, if we close a day up over 290, right? We come in and it says, hey, listen, we're going. It's 290 and we've closed above there. It's done so much consolidating that the breakout is going to have a little bit of follow through attached to it simply okay. because they're going to be people that go, oh, my goodness, I'm short. I got to get out. Oh my goodness, this is my breakout period. I got to go long. And um, everybody is going to just tag along in those particular ways. And so I'll just go, you know what? It's wrong. I'm done. And so that's really what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the close above 290 that tells me, hey, my congestion region, I'm breaking out of it. So any kind of fade is going to push me up into that 300 mark. And that's those round zero, zero numbers, right. just they get to be like a magnet for yeah. folks um, trying to get there. And Rockwell has had good grief. They've had some amazing numbers. Mm -hmm. And do you, uh, so, so what's your play here? Do you, do you just wait for that or do you um, sell some premium in the meantime while it's in its Well, I did sell some premium. So I sold some, um, I sold an iron condor, which means I didn't, I didn't think it was going to go up over the 300 area. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I didn't think it'd go up over 290. And I didn't think it would come down below um, 240. And what I noticed was that someone had sold thousands of these puts in a wow. spread wow. at 250 and i thought all right 250 feels a little rich because i think it could pull back especially if we had any jitters but they've been right but i said hey listen i'm going to sell the 240 to 220 and or 240 to 230 and then the um 270 to 280 and i collected a ton of premium um mm -hmm. and that is really keeping us in flat action overall so that really is anytime i look at a chart and go i gotta wait i'm gonna sell some premium because at least that patience i i can say hey patience is gonna pay me right. while i wait and so it gives me a chance to interact with the market but not so aggressively that I sit underwater because this thing has been moving quite a bit intraday. I mean, it's having three, four, five dollar swings sometimes. Yeah. How far out are those options for, for the premium? March. Okay. okay. March. Okay. So right now they're relatively insensitive as yeah. the price moves up, which is great for us, mm -hmm. right? We don't want it to be four days before expiration and have this kind of motion. Right. I'd want to get out if that was happening. But because it's early in the game and I'm thinking, hey, listen, we just have got to take a little breath, then 
we can sit in that space and go, all right, well, I'm going to let the, the change pay me. And I know that as soon as I cross the line, I get out. And so I've got really limited risk and quite a bit of upside. Mm-hmm. And if, if I recall, you had this, um, th- th- this is one that you shared uh, with, with readers. Um, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think if, if I remember correctly, this did kind of cross that level that you were looking at, but but it never because closed. You were yes, giving, it never yeah, closed. Because you were giving it that kind of room, uh, you know, it, it came yeah. right back in. You know, if you were looking at three candles or or what have you, it, it just mm-hmm. it, it never it never breached that rule. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so I'm still waiting because it's still holding over that two eighty area, right? And so the key event is, does it hold over that two eighty? with volume and doesn't pull back into that close. And so far, it's still sitting in the, you know, I'm not going to fly out of here. But if it closes over 290, we're just going to have to, you know, take our lumps, which should be minimal because it's so far away. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, gosh, I I don't remember what we were going to choose for our third one. I mean, we were talking (laughs) about Albemarle. Um, and we were also talking about Dexcom, and I don't know if we oh, uh, made a decision. So oh, you want to so, do so. Dexcom? Yeah, let's do Dexcom. Okay. Yeah, that was actually the first um, position that um, I shared with uh, the folks in the uh, options space on investors. And I did something that normally makes a number of people a little bit nervous. I sold a call spread at the money. It was about mm-hmm. 121 and some change. And I sold the 120s and uh, bought the uh, 125s. And so that gave us uh, a credit. And then I also sold a 100 put because I suspected we would come back into that 100 area. And we really have done that. It's been mm-hmm. about, I don't know, maybe four weeks. And we have a February expiration on these, and they still look quite lovely. Now, what we should look at here is if it comes into that 100 area and we do get put to it, we have about maybe five bucks. So it's like $95 Uh that we would actually be getting the stock at. And so that really would be our floor. If it drops below that, we would uh, get out. I'm not quite sure it's going to come back to 100 because what it's been doing is really sort of failing to close lower in the last four or five days. It hit that bottom and so now it's holding and it's holding and it's holding. Now I'm waiting for it to breach and then pull back and hold another high. So I think we're going to leave with full credit on this. Unfortunately, I'm not sure it's going to give us the opportunity to engage, but because we're sitting underneath those moving averages, we probably don't want to be super excited about getting engaged right then anyway, because it's telling us that there are still sellers above that maybe have been trapped trying to get out. If it does come in, we can ride it to and it pops, you know, we could ride that right back into 120. It seems very reasonable that the chart can do that. Mm-hmm. Is, is there ever a point? It, is there ever a point where 
you get maybe like 80% of the, the premium uh, and you just close them out early or, or things like that? Yes, absolutely. Normally, because I am really conservative, if I get to 50% of the premium, yeah. Yeah. I will take my profit. Okay. Because okay. If, if you spend time in the option space, yeah. you can see profit disappear <laughs> yes, so fast. Exactly. What just happened? Don't yeah. count your chickens so, before they hatch, right? right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, okay. So. Yeah. It's 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 and, and it's not a bad where your worst case scenario at this point is that you're you're collecting that premium and you know looking at that. Yes. So, exactly. Uh, not not exactly. bad at all. So and again, you know, folks can go ahead and take a look at some of this content that we're talking about. Uh, certainly, both both Dexcom and Rockwell were on on our website at investors.com. Uh, and you can go to the options section under the research tab. So, uh, yeah, it, it's been really enjoyable for me to take a look at some of those. I, I edit some of the options content on occasion. And so I've been I've been looking at uh, Anne Marie stuff ahead of time and getting the chance to ask her questions along the way. So that's been awesome for me. So I appreciate that great. opportunity. So, um, well, hey, Anne Marie, it was great having you on the show again. Uh, I'm sure we'll have you back. Uh, I'm sure we'll have you back soon because it's always a pleasure um, listening to your uh, real, real great look at the markets, the levels, the technical action. You just bring so, so much great analysis to, uh, to your, to your overall view of things. So I really thank you for that. saying that. I appreciate mm -hmm. it. I love the market. Yeah. I love it shows. the market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, very good. Well, thanks again for being here. And, uh, Thanks to everyone for watching on this episode. Uh, hope that you tune in for us next week because we're going to have John Nigerian. We're going to go ahead and continue the options talk. Uh, John Nigerian, of course, uh, is a frequent CNBC contributor, and uh, he heads up Market Rebellion along with his brother. So hope you join us for that. And thanks so much for watching us today. Take care, and we'll see you next time. And for this week's notes and charts, make sure to go to investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.